Well, I want to thank everybody for joining us today in this edition of the No Labels, No Limits podcast, where we speak with um, women who have persevered when things have been tough and sailed through when things have been great to bring you interesting stories that will help you um, live a fuller, no label, no limits life. And today I'm particularly excited to introduce you to Bobby Albano. Now, I have to tell you, Bobby is someone I met many years ago in another um, context. Part of what has really drawn me to her as I've followed her over the past few years is her determination and just her zest and how she goes after things and her mindset. So I think that you will enjoy meeting Bobby, who is now the owner broker of HomeCloud. Bobby, thanks for hopping on and being part of our conversation today. Well, thank you, Sarah. I sure appreciate um, the opportunity to be able to share my experience, and I'm I'm hoping that my experience will help somebody else. And just to say thank you, I appreciate the opportunity. Well, great. Well, let's just dive in. And um, one of the questions that I ask everybody, because it's a question that our listeners have asked us to ask is, could you share a time with us when you faced a change, a major life change or a challenge that you either didn't feel prepared to make, um, or maybe you didn't even want to make it, you know, so how did you handle it? Um, especially during those times that most of us have in the middle of the night when we're just kind of wondering. Yeah. And, uh, I had a lot of fun with this question. You know, right now I'm, I'm getting ready to open my first business and, um, but this wasn't the first time I've ever been uh, presented with an opportunity like this. Several years ago, I ran into some folks that were selling a beauty salon and I really, really wanted to buy it. it. You know, entrepreneurship is in my blood. It's, it's something that I've always wanted to do, whether consciously or not, you know, and when I was presented with this opportunity, I was so excited, but at the same time, um, I was, you know, terrified because my, the first question I got from my friends and family was, well, do you do hair? And of course, my, my answer is no, I don't. But that wasn't the point. I wanted to be uh, an entrepreneur. And at the time, I you know, looked at all the different avenues of how I could do this. I was actually able to do it, but for some reason I backed out. And, and looking back, I can see that it was because the timing wasn't right. And um, so that caused me a lot of frustration. But I knew at that time that eventually that would be a, a path that I would take and then several years after that, I was presented again with another opportunity, which was totally doable. But, you know, again, it the timing wasn't right. This time it was a restaurant. And again, I got the same questions. Well, have you ever been a waitress? Well, no, but, <laughs> but that wasn't the point. The point was that I wanted to be an entrepreneur. And, and right now, um, like I said, I'm getting ready to open my own business. And I do feel the time is right. And it's just something that I knew in my gut, you know, that, that now is the time. And uh, so I, I think, I don't know if that answered your question, but those were the times in my life that I can really um, say that, uh, you know, I, I was presented with something that was unexpected and, you know, that's the path I took. 
So when, when the timing's not right and, and you knew and you, you waited, were there other things that gave you doubt or was it just that the timing wasn't right and you would have jumped in had it been right? Well, that's the funny thing because for myself, when it's not right, it's not clear why. You know, it's, and there's no real red flags that, that jump up or anything. It, it's just that I, I knew in my, in my gut, I knew that the timing wasn't right, but I also knew that this was something that I wanted to pursue. It felt like I took bad advice. I, I was listening to my friends and my, and my family, and I'll tell you, they are well-meaning people. But if you're going to start a business, if you're going to do something really big in life, and you share it with your friends and family, it's not that they don't love you. It's not that they don't want you to succeed. It's that they're, they're fearful for you. They don't want to see you fail. And I know that's what it was in my case. My friends were saying, no, you know, if you've never done hair or you've never worked in the restaurant business, then you have no business buying, you know, this business. And at the time, I felt like, oh, I'm listening to this bad advice. And then a few years went by and, I, and I'd say, oh, I should have done that. that. You know, I could have made it work. But, you know, uh, you know looking back now, it, the timing just wasn't right. But, um, yeah, those were, were the, I, at the time, that's, that's how I felt. I felt like I just took some bad advice and that I should have gone forward. And that's interesting um- that's one of the things that others have shared as well is the, you know, oftentimes the people closest to us because they're worried for us or maybe they don't want to see you change much. You know, they're, they're more right, hesitant right. than you are. Right. And right, um, right. I remember as in my early twenties wanting to make a big change and, and having that, I mean, like my parents growing up, they were always like, yeah, go for it. They never had hesitation if I said I wanted to do something. But this one time I had this really secure job. I'm in my mid early twenties, you know, and they're like, well, I don't know if you should leave. My uncle wrote me a letter and he said, I just want to tell you the only reason your parents are hesitating now is they're just nervous. So just do what you know is right in your heart and don't look back. And, but he was distant enough and also not responsible for me, right? So he could give me that. <laughs> but I also knew he had enough life experience that he wasn't just telling me to be foolhardy. It was a really thoughtful letter. Right. So it makes yeah. perfect sense to me. Um, it's also interesting when you think about people who own businesses, you, you started by saying you knew you wanted to be an entrepreneur, which basically means you want to be a business owner not necessarily bringing right. working in the business itself. So when people think about necessarily, do you know how to do hair or can you be a waitress? It's like, hmm, you know, I could learn, right? But that's a little different than the goal you were setting for yourself. It's a distinction to make for us to be really clear about what it is we want. And it sounds like you were clear, just the timing wasn't quite right. Well, and then, then too, I didn't, I wasn't, I wasn't clear on my goal either. So when I was asked those questions, I didn't have an answer, you know, and now that I'm a broker, my first tendency would be to do the actual technical work that goes into a real estate business. But, you know, that's, that's not what I should be doing. What I should be doing is to be the chief strategist. So talk to run me about the how you got from from there to becoming a broker, because that was also 
a different path. I mean, that was a change from what you were doing when I first met you. And Mm -hmm. that was Mm -hmm. a different path. You had to do other learning and stretching yourself there. How did that come about? Well, you know, I spent so many years working for the government and doing analytical work. Um, I, I was a budget analyst, a financial analyst, program analyst, and that's what I'd done for many, many years. It was a safe path when I was in college. I had other interests, but I chose to study uh, business administration because it was safe. And I knew I could get a job and I knew I could support myself. I didn't have a lot of family support, so I knew I had to choose something that was safe. Anyway, I spent a lot of years doing that for the government. And I want to say this too, I'm extremely risk adverse. I'm not someone who likes to take a lot of risks. However, when you when you have a risk adverse person, what you'll find is that what appears to be risky behavior is something that is completely well thought out. In my case, I had made a decision that I had worked in a nine to five job for as long as I wanted to. So I decided that I wanted to do something that I wanted to do, something that uh, would bring me enjoyment. I love making people happy. I love working with people. I um, also don't like to be on somebody else's schedule (laughs) much. I like to have my own schedule. So I picked real estate. I thought that that would be a good fit for me. It turns out it was. And you know, as soon as I quit that nine to five job, I had been on, uh, I had had um, insomnia for years and I was actually taking medication for insomnia. And, and as soon as I made the switch, I was able to get off that medication because I no longer needed it. But from the outside looking in, it looked like I just quit my job and went into real estate. So it looked like maybe a risky thing that I did. But in the background, what I was really doing, I, I sold my house. I downsized quite a bit. So I took the money and I, and I bought a smaller house for cash. So I didn't have a mortgage, paid down a bunch of bills so that my partner and I could live on one income. And then I went into real estate. So from, from the outside looking in, it looks like I did this huge move and, and it was just totally risky. But uh, me as a risk adverse person, I just, I just did something with a ton of safety nets. That's interesting to because from the outside it looked one way, but you had been planning and strategizing um, where other people may right. have even seen that for some time. So how long from the time you decided you were going to change, right, to the time it took you to get yourself in a position to downsize, to get where you could actually live on a single income, was that a one month, a one year? What was the kind of time horizon on that? I think that was for about a year. It took about a year um, because when I made the decision, we were totally dependent on two incomes. I mean, we had a car payment, we had the mortgage payment, credit cards, you know, the usual stuff. So it did take some time to, to get to a place where I could write a budget and we could actually live on one income. And I think doing it that way, it freed me up from 
the need to make money. So that pressure was gone. So I think I was actually more successful because I didn't have that pressure of having to perform. I could do, I could make it fun. It was, it really a fun, fun career for me. Then I, uh, you know, after I'd practiced in the field for a couple of years, then I decided to go on and get my brokerage license. And then after I did that, then it just became clear, you know, all these entrepreneurial plans I've had for years and years and years. Now is the time. So before we move on to that, I want to ask you a question because you did something. And and like I said, I've been following you and watching your posts for a while. But you did something that I thought was incredibly brave and honest. And that was, you know, you've shared your accomplishments um, on social media when you got your certifications and moved forward and sold houses. And you certainly champion the people that you serve, you know, your clients, which is just wonderful. But I remember um, seeing a post not all that long ago where you shared that you didn't make your first attempt of all thing complete test, right? And you were just so right. like, okay, I'm going to do it again. But what was so great, <laughs> about, but what was great about that was oftentimes all people post are their wins, not their nearly wins. And it's, it's really that mm-hmm. perseverance and the continued focus that in the long term produces the wins. First, I just wanted to compliment you on your transparency, I guess, an overused word today, transparency, authenticity, but just your humanness. So I just want to thank you for that. And then, you know, that trait, your your planning, so you talked about being risk averse and really thinking it through. It sounds like that's one of the um, key traits for success that you yourself possess, what might be some others that you see in yourself or other successful women in terms of traits and characteristics that help you kind of forge ahead? Yeah, and when you when when we talk about other women, I think the traits are just as diverse as the other women. For me myself, Eddie, I think you you pretty much nailed it. You know, I would love to say that I get up at six o'clock in the morning, I eat a well-balanced breakfast, then I I get some exercise, and then I uh, go meditate on the beach. But (laughs) that is so not what I do. (laughs) I am just like anyone else. You know, I do the best I can every single day. I try to make marginal improvements every day. I've you know, I've tried to, you know, make plans and okay, tomorrow I'm, I'm going to do it perfectly, you know, tomorrow. And it just doesn't work out. So now I just focus on marginal improvement daily. I try to get in a little bit of education, try to learn something new every day. I try to stick to a, you know, a somewhat healthy diet. And then I try to be of service to others. And I find that in the service to others is where the miracle happens. But yeah, it's just, it's not any great leaps. It's just little tiny, tiny steps every day. I don't know if you have read the book, The Compound Effect, but that's really, in a nutshell, what it is, it's that incremental just time over time, consistently Mm -hmm. getting better or applying something um, instead of expecting these heroic efforts. 
they're not sustainable, right? The heroic stuff. No. Although the vision of you sitting on a beach meditating is kind of nice. I know. I think about that all the time, but I've yet to do it. (laughs) (laughs) Would you share one of the key life lessons you've learned? You've shared some, but if you were to say, you know what, one of my big takeaways is X, um, what would that be or what might that be for you, Bobby? There's actually two, and I've uh, touched on one of those. Uh, when you have a dream, and I think you actually uh, said it better, when you have a dream, be really, really careful with whom you share that with. I think you said it, choose your champions wisely. Because although people are well-wishing, well-meaning, some of the advice you might get, and especially when you're in a huge decision, because when we're in a, in a face with a huge decision or something that we want and it's big, we get extra sensitive. So advice that we get, I mean, this is for me, advice I get when I'm in that sensitive state, I'm going to take a lot more seriously. I say choose the people you share that information with very wisely. And then two, on top of that, understand that you're in a more highly sensitive state and try not to take the advice too seriously because people, when they tell you what they would do in a certain situation, they're talking from their own point of view. They have no idea how that's going to work out for, for you. So um, guard yourself. Uh, you know, understand that people come from their own point of view and, uh, you know, be very careful. And now the second piece of advice, and I just love this one. I was told if you trade hours for dollars, you will never get ahead. And there's so much wisdom in that. If you think about it, it seems really simple, but I think what I got out of that was if you're always, Um, in a job where you make a certain dollar amount per hour, you are actually selling your time to another person. And they have purchased your time to help build their dream. And I always had a problem with that because I I don't want to build somebody else's dream. I want to build my dream. So when I heard that, not only does it make sense on a, a, you know, you're, a lot of jobs don't pay that well uh, on that level. But on another level, I, I really don't want to sell my time anymore and build anyone else's dream. So that was the the second thing I I think was the most powerful piece of advice that I've gotten. You jumped ahead to a question I was going to ask you about that. So I want to back you up because um, – that's a powerful piece of advice, right? I think. And, mm-hmm. and yet yeah. I know from um, speaking with you before the interview and reading more about you that you're actually doing some things that benefit other people in the service of your own dream, right? So you have a, mm-hmm. a new project that is part of your business. Right. I just wonder if you'd be willing to share a little bit about that. I mean, I'll post a link to the article because I think it's inspiring how it came about. But what I'm most impressed with is the thought about benefiting other people and how you are helping them 
as a piece of um, the work you do, just as part and parcel of it, I guess, would be my language for uh-huh. it. Could you share a little bit about that? Sure. Um, you know, I this is the part of my own business model that I love the most. Um, it is really difficult in this age, the age of Amazon's and Walmart's and these huge corporations, these public corporations that have what seems like an unending supply of money and resources. It's really hard to be one person and try to compete in that arena. So my thought is, uh, much like it takes a village to raise a child, it takes a village to to raise a, a new business. I know a lot of other people who are just like me. They're trying to build their own thing too. So my idea was, well, why don't we help each other? Why don't we come together as a group? And when we all rise, we all rise. So my team is actually constructed of uh, four other entrepreneurs like myself they own their own businesses and we get together and we build each other up it's so much more powerful when somebody is recommending me and I'm not having to toot my own horn somebody else is telling other people about me I get to tell everybody about them and we we all just come up together I hope that makes sense It's called the Inland Empire Homeowners Club. And what we are is a group of business owners. Most of us are entrepreneurs. And we meet together to help each other. We share advice. We share best practices. We share our clients. This club also has not only do we have all the business partners who help each other, but we also have members. And members are just people, members of the community. And we are able to market to them and they enjoy discounts that we all give them. And it's just a way, you know, especially in our community, San Bernardino is, is a depressed area. We've been a depressed area for quite some time. Things are getting better, but, you know, just marginally every day. And it's a way to, you know, strengthen our community and and bring some pride back to the businesses who are here and that are doing great work. That's just a a little part of the whole business that I have. What I loved about the concept and reading more about it was that you actually are careful of who you let be in the recommendation. Oh, yes. That there's a value and an ethic that you are looking for and that you vet the businesses so that if I am a community member that joins, it's kind of having your stamp of approval, right? By the, from the homeowner. Exactly. Right. Yeah. Because, um, I, I hold myself to an extremely high standard. I conduct my business with the utmost honesty and, um, transparency I like to surround myself with people that have the same values. So we do hold everyone to a pretty high standard and that's strategic for me because I want to be associated with people that are doing good things and people that are conducting business in a fair, in a fair way. 
as we're wrapping up, I'm going to put links to how to reach you in the notes for this podcast. So anybody who wants to learn more about what you're doing, they can go there and find out. I'll put a link to the really cool mompreneur article in there. But I do want to ask you to think back over, you know, because you've had different transitions over your life. But if you were to sit down with yourself as a 13 or 14 year old young woman, is there a piece of advice you would give yourself based on what you've known now versus what you know then about navigating the world? Yeah, that is such a hard question, Sarah. Um, I thought about this for a long time. And what I can tell you honestly is that person would never have listened. (laughs) But if there was one piece of advice, I would just say not take the world so seriously. Believe in yourself a little bit more. You know, when I started college, I really didn't want to do business. I wanted to do something in the creative field. I wanted to be a photographer or a, a, an artist of some sort. And I I didn't listen to myself because I didn't have the the uh, confidence that I have today. And so that's, I guess that would be the piece of advice. Is just believe in yourself and move forward as if uh, nobody was watching. But thank you for that question. I loved thinking about it. That was that was really a great experience. Interesting that your younger self wouldn't have listened. So now I'm going to be thinking about you and who you were younger. So, um, And then as our <laughs> final thing, are you reading anything interesting now that you would like to share with the listeners? I actually am. I just finished the book called E-Myth, E standing for Entrepreneur. And it's written by Michael Gerber. He talks about the E-myth. You know, like I was saying, a lot of technicians want to go into business for themselves because they don't like their boss. They want a new boss. So they figure if they go into business for themselves, they can get a new boss. And uh, there's there's a myth behind that. I'm not going to spoil the book, <laughs> but I do highly recommend it for anyone who's thinking about opening their own business. Uh, it's fabulous. Great. Well, Bobby, thanks again so much for being part of our No Labels, No Limits podcast. And it's so great to speak with you. And I know our listeners will take away many little tidbits to help them on their own journey. Well, thank you, Sarah. I have had so much fun doing this. And uh, I so appreciate you thinking of me. My pleasure. That's it for this week's episode. If you like what you heard, please hop on over to iTunes or wherever else you listen to the podcast and leave us a rating and review. This helps us get the word out to more people just like you who want to live a no labels, no limits life. Thanks. And we'll see you next week.